what is up everybody welcome to another episode of what did adam say season four episode eight with my good friend sal de guardia i'm very 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 excited to talk to him i feel like the past two months i've been super quiet in the community because i've just been so freaking busy and we haven't had a chance to chop it up really and sal's one of my favorite people he's a podcast host himself uh he also has his own home studio he's a home studio producer i have some experience with that i can't wait to swap some stories because that's always a trip um he's also probably the best clubhouse host that i know him and nicole are probably like my two favorite club host clubhouse hosts for sure and just an overall phenomenal human being so i can't wait to get this podcast going so make sure you guys share this and comment to join in the conversation and let's freaking go wait what what am i doing created a movement won't ruin what you are pursuing but i wake up every morning never yawning because I, I wake up with the intent to make today my bitch and now me there you talking so just shut your lips because i'ma make it yeah i'ma make it i'ma make it i'ma make it lord have mercy i'ma make it i wake up with the intent to make today my bitch and now me there you talking so just shut your lips i'ma this shit is crazy right it's been way too long since we've had a conversation my friend way too long man how have so you been excited. man i've been i I've, I've been really good bottom line is I've, I've been really good uh really? some you know life stuff that happens but Overall, man, I, I literally cannot complain, even if I did, who would listen. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, like, not worth it to complain most of the yeah. time, you know, like, it's, it's like, a just useless thing to do. It's, like, if you could complain or you could try to figure out some kind of solution to make it better, and, I mean, it's not always perfect. Obviously, we're all human, so once in a while, you're just, like, ah, <laughs> it's part of life. Right, yeah, so, how have you I'm been? Still- I've been busy, man. I just picked up a full-time job on top of everything I'm doing because like, obviously with, with doing like environmental research, the money isn't right there right away. Hence right. You know, like the NFT project. So it's, it's a slow build and unless we can get top 15 in the contest, um, but it's a slow build. So I'm like, I gotta, I, we gotta get out of the in-laws, you know, we, we've been here two years longer than we thought we would because of the pandemic and the shutdown and everything it literally just put a halt to everything that we were doing yeah um as it did for a lot of people and yo what's up ron um and it's it was just one of those things where this job was like i get to work 40 hours a week but in four days they don't care if i'm like checking in on my phone to like check on my employees and everything like that they don't mind Um, they know the nature of all my businesses. So they know it's a cannabis based business on everything. I, every front that I do. Um, and yeah, they just were super flexible. It's, it's actually really crazy. So I I was just like, damn, I gotta, I gotta take this. Like I gotta make it work somehow. And it's been, it's been tough. Like I passed two nights. Um, I've been working nine to six 30, nine to six, get home at six 30, at seven start making product until like 10 30 <laughs> right just going stupid hard so that's why i've been just so completely absent from the community honestly 
It sucks. <laughs> I hear you though, man. You gotta look, you gotta, you know, pay bills and work and do some shit and then yeah. It's part of part yeah. of the deal. Until it's not, right? Until it's not yeah. part of the deal. And that's coming. Then you're gonna get to do some you already are doing cool shit, but then you'll get to do some cool shit, yeah. you know. My coworkers ask about everything I'm doing and they're like, What the fuck, dude? Like, where did you come from? Like right. <laughs> like I was telling them about the environmental research side and like that the C V D side and then I was talking about the podcast and music and they're like, what the fuck don't you do? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's all like in the same wheelhouse. It's like (laughs) everything. Where are we broadcasting on, by the way, just so that I know. So I can, we are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Reddit. Oh, it doesn't stream to Instagram. So I should probably delete my last tweet. (laughs) Yeah. I've, uh, I haven't found the right software to integrate correctly into Instagram live. And I think that's why, like, even Gary, when he goes live with guests, sometimes he like, will just go by himself or he'll have the phone on a screen. Right. Instagram just isn't very good with the integrations, which doesn't even make sense. They know how to do it. You know, like they're already integrated with Facebook. They have all the RTMP code that you need in the background to get the stream to go there. Like, come on, step. Your oh, cool. Up. This is easy. I can. What's up, Sarah? Retweet from here. What's up, Sarah? Oh yeah, I always forget that I actually have to retweet too because, um, for some reason it doesn't like share at the initial time. Sometimes it just like is there. It's weird. I'm gonna retweet that shit. All right. It's. It, I was just thinking. It's so nice that, um. Yeah, Sarah, that's the only reason I don't do IG. I would I would definitely do IG and I've thought about it, like just putting my phone up, but it's just a whole extra thing. Oh, and yeah, I don't that, pay okay. that much attention to Instagram. Like I can see Reddit comments, I can see every other comment, but it would just be tough. But yeah, what what's been new with you, man? I know that freaking LA trip was the most epic thing and I'm still so sad I missed it, but it, it looks like it was so, so, so epic. Oh, we, we missed you too, man. It would have been, it would, would have been a blast to have you there and it was fucking epic. So thank you again to everybody that came out a day early to celebrate my birthday with me because it was unbelievably cool. Um, yeah, man, it, I know, you know, a lot of folks have heard the story, but, uh, but we got into town on Thursday on my birthday. Um, rental car company gave us a nice little upgrade to a little Mercedes SUV to roll around in LA in, which was kind of all swanky and whatnot, really? swanky little hotel. And yeah. And then we get to the strand house in Manhattan beach and, uh, Amanda has me across the street, just kind of hold up waiting for whatever's going to happen. And, uh, we go to, stand in front of the door and now there's like 20 people blocking the doorway but waiting for um we were waiting for outside for uh jeremy's instagram live so everybody had me jump on jeremy's instagram live with him and hey sal how's it going it's your birthday blah 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 and he's standing right in front of me and i didn't realize it like i as i'm watching him on instagram live it, i'm not putting it together that he's anywhere near and so I'm staring at the phone like an idiot. He's literally right here. And so everybody was like, hey, man, look up. That's so, so Jeremy's hard. there. Yeah, Jeremy surprised me. He came out. Yep. Uh, Collie Buds jumped on FaceTime. And 
said happy birthday. Lauren, Michelle, the opera diva, really the meta diva. Um, she popped in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she popped in and, and sang an operatic version of happy birthday, which was just... Dude, I that mean, gave stopped me the whole place. Watching it, I couldn't imagine being sitting next to her. Like your your face the whole time. You were just looking at her, like I was <laughs> like, blown away, dude. I was just absolutely blown away. I didn't understand what was happening. None of it was. It was like so surreal. It, it was so crazy cool. And look, crazy. twenty of our you know twenty of our good friends in in and around the community that came out to hang wow. out and yeah threw down for for the birthday dinner and it was amazing it was just amazing so i was honored absolutely honored um thank you again to my love lovely bride amanda who if uh if it wasn't for her you probably uh would be reading my obituary today rather than uh hanging out with me on uh streaming live so she she really is um she's one of the reasons why i'm i'm still here and made it through some of the some of the dark times and uh, yeah, then we got to hang out with Brian and the rest of the crew doing the Dodgers game in the first pitch for uh, for Brian Lopez. And then next day we hung out at uh, Universal Studios together and it was just crazy, man. It was crazy cool. So then I went back. I didn't have enough. So I went back to L.A. The following week uh, I had a it was a master class at some legendary Sunset Sound in uh, in Hollywood. Yep. Um, Sunset Sound's been around for I don't know, 50 years, 60 years something like that yep. and um, literally all the greats uh, Zeppelin uh, The Stones um, Van Halen like all the early records were cut in Studio One there uh, which used to be an, uh, it used to be an auto repair shop so they built the studio the main room or the live room where all the players play, they had to build it on this slanted slab that used to be like the reason they had it on a slanted slab back in the day is they didn't have like under underground drainage and all that stuff. So it uh, all used to go, it all used to go just in the corner of the room or, or the corner of the land and they didn't level it or anything. They just paved, you know, paved over it. And, uh, and so there's this big slanted room, uh, that you go into all these weird dimensions and stuff, but it works. It's, you know, it's, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's where Adele cut piano and vocals, or maybe just the piano for someone like you. Um, and a lot of the biggest records <clears throat> of all time have been cut there. Uh, the Doors, um, yeah, Zeppelin, and all their gold records hanging on the hallway, you know, when you come in. But we went to Studio 3. Well, actually, let me back up. Studio two. I'm sorry. I'm talking the whole time. It's, no, no, it's no. Only been 10 minutes and I'm already chewing up the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> studio two was closed. We didn't get a tour of studio two. Um, and, uh, and I found out why. So every day, uh, we'd go out to the courtyard and, you know, take a break or smoke or whatever. And this little old man shuffling around suspenders, jeans, um, collared shirt, long white hair, long white beard, mustache. And, uh, and I shot a photo to one of my buddies who was in my band in high school. Um, and we're still friends 30 years later. And he was like, who's that David Crosby looking guy? I was like, well, that's David Crosby. So David Crosby of Crosby, Stills and Nash was there cutting a record the whole week and into the next week. And, uh, 
Yeah, got to see him and his wife and his whole, you know, his whole crew of players and stuff. And we wow. all hang out in the courtroom together, the courtyard together. And so that was Studio Two. Studio Three is where we were at. We were just cutting a, a single for a local artist. Um, the players that uh, that the producer gets. So the producer is Warren Hewitt, and he runs a community called Produce Like a Pro. And it's really, really super educational, supportive, informative. They do a ton of mixing contests. That's actually where I where I made it onto a new artist named Close Record with Blackout Remix that uh, was released in January. And he offered this masterclass, three days, <clears throat> excuse me, three days in the studio with him at Sunset Sound and watching the process of like, you know, cutting a track in a pro studio start to finish. And I come from a radio background. It's not like it's foreign yes. um, and have, you know, home production set up and stuff like that. But uh, but I thought, man, how cool. What I didn't know is Studio 3 is where Prince cut his first three records. So it's, I, I worked, in fact, I was going to, did I post it today? I don't think I did post it. The video's too long, so I got to chop it down. But I sat down and actually started the rough mix for the song. Um, oh. Once everything was cut on Saturday night, we spent like, everybody that was there in the master class, we spent like two hours mixing the song. And uh, doing doing at least the rough mix for uh, for the final vocals on uh, on Sunday, and uh, and it's the same spot, man, where he cut his own vocals for Purple Rain, and same board. It's this old '70s API console, vintage you know, vintage console, vintage room, and it's just it's hollowed ground, man. It was unreal. It was it was another just surreal back to back the birthday weekend and be friends in LA and then going right back and having another just unbelievable experience that um, I used to think was once in a lifetime. And now my, my mind is expanding Adam as a result of these experiences in the last five months in this, in this space. Right. It's like, I can have yeah. a bunch of epic experiences and it's just okay. <laughs> you can kind of expect it in a sense. Like, yeah, it, you know, there's bad that happens it, and there's, you got to take the good with the bad. Like, I always tell people that I'm like, oh, I won my, like I was telling my coworkers that today. I'm like, oh, I won this V-Friend NFT. I know you guys don't really understand NFTs, but yeah. current day I get 50 to $100,000 offers on it. And realistically, it's a seven figure thing in the future. And I, I, they're just like, what? what? <laughs> they don't even understand the six figures. Like, And I, I was like, but yeah, the day after I won me. that, I totaled my car. And I was T-boned. <laughs> like, right. T-boned and totaled my car. I was like, so you got this good and bad that happens, and you can't get, like, too lost in the yeah. bad. But, like, the t times like that, dude, like, you have you have to, like, pinch yourself. Like, is this fucking real? Like, yeah. I'm in the studios. Like, you can, like, almost feel, like, the essence of, of Prince singing Purple Rain in there. Like, Oh my god, dude! Chills just thinking dude, about that. Weird, like just weird to even be in the same. Some of the same. Uh, some of the players that were in there, um, uh, Victor Andrizo, world famous drummer. Uh, he had just come off like two or three months with Alanis Morissette. Uh, oh, bass player Sean Hurley, you know, backup vocalist is um, Steve. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I'm going to screw it up. Um, but uh, he's the now the sixth keyboard player for Toto, um, and and yeah, just crazy cool. Like the players were incredible, the facility was incredible, the staff is 
unbelievably attentive uh, going in there. And so it's 1800 bucks a day to record there. But they give you a tech and all the support you need to, you know, do patching and effects and all that stuff. If there's anything you need, they're like, they go get it immediately. And yeah, it's insane. If I had that money, I would totally pay somebody to mix because it's it really is so tedious. Like people don't yeah. realize what goes into a three and a half minute song. Like it's you're literally talking like my process. It takes me between two hours and like two weeks to finish writing a song yeah. and then recording it. I might get it right on the first time. Like I'd say like 60 percent of the time I get it right on the first time. But then the other 40, I'm nitpicking it to death until I hate it. And then I'm like, the vocals 10 times and you wind up using the first one. Literally. Yeah. yeah totally. You're like, yeah. oh, I just wasted the past hour for no fucking totally. reason. That's great. Yeah. This, yeah, this was, it was just incredible. And so three days is probably a little long. The players were done in like, I don't know. I mean, it took, you know, three, four hours to get everything set. And it wasn't 17 minutes, Steve. No, it, no. Like, it was like an hour it took me to write that, you know. Yeah, but it yeah. did take me like I did first, I one take that whole entire song, the chorus, the verses, everything. I just was, I was feeling it that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I mean, all that and then came home and, you know, that's why this is here is uh, got some skin cancer removed, some basal, basal cell carcinoma. So is what it is what it is, right? Like you said, take the good with the bad. And uh, that wasn't even that bad. I mean, it, we went in, he's pretty confident he got it all. This is the second spot that they've found. And yeah, so that's it. A little had to go in for a little, you know, little body work and take take the body into the shop. Did you get plastic surgery and you're just faking it? No. <laughs> I actually so they offered, they they ask you if you want to have a plastic surgeon there the day of the procedure. They'll bring somebody in just in case if you want to have like grafting and, you know, touch up, maybe work done. They probably wouldn't do like full rhinoplasty, but, um, but yeah, he's good. I mean, he, he did a good job on the spot on my back and, um, I, I can't even tell you how amazingly this thing is healing. It's the weirdest thing. The Arizona, strongest, the Arizona sun is strong. Well, yeah. And I mean, look, that's that's a direct result of just poor choices as a kid. I mean, growing up here and, you know, living in Arizona for 40 X years, whatever it is now. And like never, I was never the kid to put sunscreen on. If anything, I was putting like the tanning, you know, the wine tropic tanning lotion on. Like how dark can I get it? And uh, <laughs> never <laughs> protecting my face or my nose or anything like that. So, so. my parents didn't care. It was the eighties. Yeah. I never really have either. Like, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not out in the sun that much, you know. For it to, I don't think it'll bother me. But you know, I don't knock on wood. Every time I knock on wood, that thing happens. So I'm not gonna right, right, exactly. I, I, I was gonna say I have this stuff called Fico, full extract cannabis oil. You probably have it because Arizona's a legal state, I, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Um, so FICO, you can actually take it. People, you take it for like cancer. Like, you know, I, I had somebody that took it for uterine cancer and she healed herself taking it and, you know, fixed her diet and stuff like that, too, because that's important for cancer, be, sure, beating sure. cancer. But it's also shown pretty good results if you put it on topically. So you take like literally what you would eat. You just rub it on your skin, like a little dab of it every day. And I've seen people post pictures of like little little carcinomas like shrinking down on their arm. No way. Yeah, might Incredible. be worth a shot. Yeah. 
It this one was actually really, really small. small. It was like a, a maybe, maybe the size of like a little pimple. Oh. They the took out, out though, like, 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 I mean, the size of a diamond stud. They, they, they carved this huge chunk out of it. They tested it all on site. Make sure it's, you know, good, good. But if I told you how well this was healing, you wouldn't you wouldn't even believe it. Like, like three days, it had already started to fill in pretty well. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, nasty. nasty. Like I'm not, I'm not. You want to see it? See it? <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, you want to see it? dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm. He's like, well, you're probably gonna have a little dim in there, a little crease or something like that. I don't think there's gonna be anything. anything. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy, crazy. Regular little Wolverine, healing up in a few days. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I can maybe take I'm a bullet. I don't know. No. Maybe. No way. No way to find. I don't want to find So yeah, yeah. Other than that, I um, working with Dorsey doing uh, coaching. She's the literally the top coaching uh, co-parenting coaching uh, coach on the planet, and so she. I'm blessed and honored to be able to work with her and help. you know, do some work in that space. And, um, we help parents that are going through all that back and forth in court with the, he said, she said, and, um, many times kids that are showing, um, signs of some kind of pathogenic parenting happening in the family. It's an interesting dynamic. Um, I went through a lot of it myself and, um, made a lot of poor choices that made it worse. And, couldn't get out of it and got stuck. And I found her as a resource first for, to help me in my situation. And, mm. uh, as a result of meeting her, um, I couldn't help, but get involved. We, we hit it off right away. And that was about five years ago. And, uh, so now I'm, I'm working with her. Um, I think leaving my job at Apple and just moving forward with that. And it's kind of weird to say, but, uh, also this space, man, there's just so much going on in the space. So it's, it is, it's fun. And thank you for the kudos and the, and, and, uh, the recognition on the front end. I, I agree with you. I think, um, there are, are a lot of talented folks, Nicole, Jeremy, um, a bunch of folks that are, you know, f- forging their way in, uh, of course, in the V friends community and beyond, um, Julie Sue and others. Um, there's a lot of talented people. So I'm, I'm, even honored that you mentioned my name in that in that list of folks because they're they're extremely talented so thank you it's been yeah, fun. I, I feel like um thank you thank you chaotic i was actually gonna ask you guys if i fixed the echo because I, I was doing some stuff in the background um cool. but yeah it seems like we've kind of had similar paths honestly and i think that's why like we connect so much yeah like I, th- I think we did it at different ages and stuff, but like, you know, you were telling me you used to be couch surfing and, and I did the same thing for a while. Like I literally yeah. was homeless, either sleeping in my car when it was nice enough or couch surfing during the winter and stuff like that. And never really like had roots set anywhere. Like they were, I just never settled down anywhere. And that's, it's, it's not good when you do that. It's definitely not. I mean, you learn a lot. You definitely learn a lot. You learn how to be tough. You learn how to be, resourceful <laughs> more than resourceful yep um but it's 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 draining <clears throat> i remember those days yeah there's been uh i don't know how far do you want to go back you want to do it all you want to yeah, dump I mean, you want to dump right now um 
I, uh, I mean, I grew up in a <clears throat> kind of, you know, typical, like middle-class family. Um, my dad, really, my, my dad grew up in a, in a, just a rough situation in Brooklyn. Um, they were piss piss broke. Um, my grandfather didn't work. Um, he was drunk. My dad would have to like nine, 10, 11, go drag him out of bars, you know, and take him home because he got his ass kicked. Um, and, uh, and just didn't take care of his family. He was abusive and alcoholic. And uh, eventually my dad, um, basically moved himself and his mom, my grandma out of, um, out of where they were living and got a new apartment and started a new life. And he started working in the food business when, since he was like nine cleaning, um, you know, fish shops in Brooklyn and putting together, you know, 50 cents a week or whatever it was back then, 25 cents a week. Um, and eventually, uh, got hooked up with the Ivoroni brothers back there. So they had a bunch of pork stores. Hmm. Um, the family also owned A&S and they, uh, they grew their one little deli into like five or six, him and, and the Ivoroni kids. And then he left, he, he came out to Arizona to visit my godfather and we never, we never went home. It was just supposed to be a two week vacation. And he sent my oh, mom back yeah. on the plane to New York and said, sell everything. We're, we're moving out here. And just like that. And opened his own little delicatessen, Tony's Italian Deli, that uh, 45 years ago in July, he opened it. And this wow. past August, they finally closed the doors. The guy that bought it from my dad um, finally shut it down. It's just they had a really tough run through COVID. And mm. it's, uh, it's, it's really tough to you know find good help and to carry on the name. I actually thought about going back to Tucson and taking it over and seeing what I could do with it. And uh old it's a 60 or 70 year old building that it's just it needs a lot of work and the landlords mm. are not super supportive <laughs> <laughs> and as nice as they were you know over the years to really afford them some opportunities to to stay in that space for as long as they did because they didn't have to they didn't have to do us any favors that way but um yeah so it's kind of sad family legacy is done but um uh, uh, that part of it yeah, that part of it. So what's interesting is as soon as I could, because I grew up working there since I was a kid, as soon as I was old enough, I ran down the street to McDonald's because I thought that would be better than working for my dad. <laughs> and uh, the truth is, I, you know, it kind of led to, well, my parents went through, through their whole thing, too. They were, they got divorced. My dad put a 22 to his chin. He tried to take his life. He was overwhelmed with just life wow. and pressure and alcohol and drugs and they pissed away probably i don't know quarter million dollars half million dollars in in a very short amount of time so even though we grew up okay and they owned their own business and we never starved that was the cool part about the food business we never starved <laughs> right we never went hungry <clears throat> the downside is they just they got hooked up with a lot of people that they were trying to impress that they didn't even like right yeah. uh, a lot of what gary talks about so so it hurt and, um, and, and, you know, the family got kind of scattered when I hit about, I don't know, 17, um, and out of my own and trying to figure out life and, you know, fractured family and splitting and all kinds of fun stuff that went along with that. And, uh, finally, um, you know, kind of things started to kind of balance out for me. And I found a job in radio after working a bunch of years at McDonald's and, onesie twosie like these kind of cool call center jobs uh how old were you this is back in 21 yeah 21 21 22 um 
and um the the dream that i always had when i was a, when i was a kid i literally was the kid that got up adam no joke i would get up at like six o'clock in the morning on a saturday when everybody else is sleeping in or you know watching cartoons <clears throat> and i'd sneak outside we had a radio out back and i'd turn it on really really quiet because i i thought i was doing something wrong i thought it was you know, rebellious or whatever. Cause I turned on my dad's stereo at yep. like six. Um, and I used to listen to our top 40 station. It was the Rick D's weekly countdown, yep. the Rick D's weekly top 40. And I was just fascinated. It absolutely was fascinating. Um, how he was able to talk to bands and singers and how did they do that thing where they play the commercials, but also he says what city he's in and, is, is he really here? Yeah, really cool <laughs> stuff, dude. Um, and so it captured me from the time I was a kid. Um, I, I wanted to perform. Um, one of the first concerts I went to um, was after I saw... Um, so we had HBO back when it was a little box with a switch. And that was it. You turn on the yeah. switch and you turn on channel three. And wow. then that, and you watched HBO. That was how cable worked back in the day. That's that so was the funny. first iteration. Yeah, it was so wild. But I saw, um, it was like the only thing on the first month was a Barry Manilow live from Monte Carlo concert. <laughs> but I thought it was the coolest thing. Like I, yeah. back then, we're, you know, we're talking whatever it was, 80 something, 82. Um, and so, uh, so what he always did really well is he just told stories, right? And he, and he wrote a lot of jingles that people remember because he just writes catchy shit. And um, and so the first concert I ever went to was a Barry Manilow concert. And I was just blown away. I was floored. That's it was amazing. so cheesy. Like, looking back, like, completely cheesy. Um, the white, you know, skin-tight bell-bottoms and uh, ruffled shirt and all that stuff. And I, I just thought, it, I just ate it up, man. I thought it was so good. And <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to perform one way or the other. I was getting on the radio. So 22, mm. I finally got an opportunity to start a radio station. Um, I was just working part-time doing afternoon drive and uh, cutting commercials. That was, that was my whole job for like six hours a day. And I had to work like two other jobs. I was trying to go to school all at the same time. We were dead broke. My, my first wife and I, and um but this this thing happened and three months after i got that first job the uh the guy that runs the station the program director he also did the morning show mm -hmm. was fired for doing something stupid and they promoted me <laughs> to morning show host and program director of this little station um just like in, that in tucson just like that dude three months um it was crazy and from there, it was a 10 year run of just a lot of fun. I bounced around the Southwest from Tucson to Albuquerque to central California. Um, I, uh, I started in Christian radio and I landed in kind of top 40 and dance and uh, worked at Kiss FM here in Phoenix um, was one of the last places I stopped at. And then a, a dance station and I got to do some cool shit and uh, lots of really cool, fun stuff. And then uh, divorce. So a lot of the really cool, fun stuff that last year, uh, I partied my ass off for about a year and a half and, uh, lost my family, lost, uh, my career at radio, um, lost, I wrecked my car, um, and just dead broke. And now what? Nothing. 
Uh, I didn't have a job, didn't have a place to live, didn't have a way to get around and just stuck. And mm. that was, uh, that was 2005. And, uh, and so I kind of just tried to get through, man. I, I just stayed with friends and um, picked up a job at McDonald's again after all those years, uh, went back to work, working at McDonald's and getting behind on child support and uh, just didn't have two nickels to rub together, man. I was, you know, I, I, I always said, like, I couldn't understand how people, you know, wound up like on the streets or, you know, like picking cigarettes out of, you know, ashtrays at the corner store and all that. And I fucking, okay. I was there, man. Yeah. All of a sudden you understood. I, I could tell you exactly how that happens. <laughs> it's a lot of poor choices. And uh, yeah. And so it was tough and uh, went through a really high conflict custody battle back and forth um, with um, with my kid's mom and, uh, finally started to kind of get my act together. It only took about a year and a half, but it took, you know, after the SWAT team showed up at my house after, uh, wrecking what? a car and a DUI and yeah. Um, in a drunken, what did stupor. you do for SWAT to show up? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I always <laughs> tell people like, that's why I can't drink anymore. Cause I have a, I have a really bad allergy to alcohol. <laughs> and uh, uh so everybody asks well what happens and i tell them well the swat team showed up that's <laughs> that's the bad reaction <laughs> and so uh so it was a direct result of just blackout drunk one night i, I broke into uh my girlfriend at the time uh, well ex-girlfriend actually by then uh broke into her house through the dog door <laughs> stole her pistol i was running around town threatening suicide and called the, uh, called the ex and you know, I'm going to, if you won't let me see the kids, I'll show up to the school and I'll just blow my brains out and in my life. And the, uh, next thing I knew SWAT team was at my house and I was, wow. I, I was in the tank for 24 hours doing a nice little fucking detox and, uh, getting clean. And yeah, a lot of, uh, other shit along with that. There's a whole mess of wreckage in, in the middle of that story. But the punchline is, uh, October 1st, 2006. Um, I woke up, uh, um, in a pool of my own piss. I'd been out partying and celebrating my birthday with a bunch of friends and blacked out and just embarrassed myself at multiple nightclubs in Scottsdale. And, uh, mm. they just left me on the side of the, literally left me on the side of the road. Um, wow. yeah, just wrecked just ruined and i was like huh that sucks i don't think i want to do this anymore um yeah so i found uh i found actually the rooms of aa and um that was at a couple people's recommendations my pro my probation officer for one um <laughs> and like, you might want to do this he's like we're good no. in court <laughs> Dude, you may need a meeting. Um, and then I had a buddy at the last station that I was at. He would just kind of rib me all the time. Like, hey, man, you know, if you never need a meeting, I'm like, meeting for what? He's, he's like, well, you know, for, you know, You're alcohol, drinking. drinking. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm not going to AA. Screw you, man. I'm good. I'm, trust me, I'm good. I'm having a great time. This is amazing. I love taking the bus or riding a bike everywhere. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I love losing, you know, losing a place to live. And the last radio station I was at, the owners let me stay in like one of the office suites that had a shower. It's like an executive suite yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, but even that, like it was just, uh, just deplorable. Like it was, I was on the balls of my ass, dude. It was so embarrassing. Um, anyway, so the punchline is, uh, 
found uh, AA. And a couple of years later, I met um, my wife, Amanda, and she, you know, heard about my story and um, she still decided to stick with me. And that was, God, 13, 14 years ago. And yeah, and um, I every single day since then has been better uh, than the one before it. And even on bad days, dude, it's not even the bad days are better than any of those you know, mornings waking up on the side of the road covered in piss or the SWAT team showing up or wake up in a wrecked car and go, what happened? You know, um, or not, you know, not know if you killed somebody or any of that shit. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It sucks when uh, I definitely went through phase, a big phase, like when I was 22 till I was probably around 25, I was just drinking so heavy. The heaviest was like 22 and 23. I would just like go to a drink all night with my friends, drink a bunch of rum, wake up in the morning, finish the bottle and then like go do my thing, come back home, drink some yeah. more. Like I was like such a functioning alcoholic, you know, like I would go to work full time. I'd go to the gym and then like just these stupid decisions. I'd leave the gym, pop back a shot and then eat some McDonald's, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, fucking Perfect. moron. Like, um, <laughs> I did that too, though. I would leave the gym and I go to McDonald's. All yeah, the time. Dude. like i don't know what kind of thinking that was but well the gym that i go to is next to taco bell so that's tough because i'm just like well i can get healthy ish options and like i don't feel as bad i guess i can get a black bean crunch bap supreme <laughs> right but yeah it's 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 a big difference between having to survive off that like when i was couch surfing i remember like I, I my my meal was two McDoubles and that's all I could afford, like two bucks and twenty five cents. <laughs> I, listen, I I would budget you know five bucks a day or five bucks a week, right? So you try to figure out okay which day or maybe I might get paid you know a little bit extra. So, but mm -hmm. which you know which at what time of the day would you go grab a McDouble and a water? Uh, when they were actually a dollar, um, yep. and that was it. That's what you ate for you know five days and then when you scraped five or 10 bucks together, you went and bought, you know, I'd go and buy like five, you know, Michelinas, you know, for whatever it is, 10 for, what do they do? 10 for 10 bucks or yep. yeah. A dollar a piece. Go buy five of those, go buy, you know, a dozen packs of ramen and good to go, dude. That was it. That was, you know, that was what you ate. Yeah. Cause that's All what right. I can afford. Damn. I remember those days. Talk about low points actually. Like when I, first moved to arizona I, I transferred my job down there it was a voluntary transfer yeah so they didn't pay for anything so like all the money i had saved up i used it to move because i was like it seems like a way better opportunity right yeah and uh so when i first got there i had to put down a little bit more money on my apartment than i thought i had to and i was almost completely dead broke and i like didn't have money to buy food so uh my boy came down with me from wyoming like he drove down from he took the trip with me and um <laughs> he was like you know this one time when i was homeless i had to do this thing and i was like what he's like i, I called a pizza place and uh i told them that i got the wrong order last night and i just didn't have time to fix it mm -hmm. and it'd be awesome if you could fix it tonight 
And this is before, like, you know, they had really complex computer systems that could figure out that this is right. a scam. Um, right. So I, I I did it to, like, every single one within a few weeks, and I just survived off pizza for a while. Pizza wow. and, like, McDonald's, you know, like, just free pizza. Because <laughs> yeah. my, my thing I would always say is I ordered an everything pizza with no olives, and you put olives on it, and my, my kid's allergic to it, you know? Like, I didn't even have yeah. kids. I'm just, like, lying to get food. It's just such a low point and I, you know what's funny is I, I think back to those times and i i still remember buying alcohol you know like right it's 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 fucking crazy actually i did and and i remember dude i mean 19 I, I i mean we we were the guys that like we would throw parties in our apartment with no electricity right so we we'd run the extension cord to the fridge over to the neighbor's house uh <laughs> it's just so that we could have beer in the house you know or and alcohol and then but no lights so and people would come over i don't know why people came over uh it was ridiculous but yeah man i mean those you know those are some of the ways that you know i just i recognize for me like it was just completely backwards thinking right and priorities and shame and guilt and all that stuff that comes with it that Sometimes you feel like you can't dig out of it, right? Yeah. It doesn't even matter if you know what's right or wrong. And it's not that it's good or bad or right or wrong. It just is, right? Those are just decisions that we made. And finally came to a place where I was like, I got to make some conscious decisions, man. I got I to gotta mm -hmm. find a job that's solid, that I can eat, pay my child support, live somewhere, and just go to work every day. And I did mm -hmm. that. I found a job that paid okay not great but enough to do all of those things and it was tough it was fucking tough dude we lived in a 600 square foot apartment um for 600 bucks a month in kind of the southeast corner of town red light district and mm -hmm. ate a shit ton of ramen and mm -hmm. uh, but then things started to get better slowly right just keep doing that one right thing like just show up to work every day yep. and did that for a few years and got a little promotion, a little raise and, you know, started to kind of pull out of it. And part of it really was setting goals around what did I really want? And so I actually started to write down, like, these are the three things I want. I want to get a promotion to like team manager within six months. I want to get a promotion to, uh, whatever in 18 months I want to, um, and that promotional, I want to reach, uh, you know, this dollar amount. Mm. And it was for me, it was it was 50. I think I said fifty two thousand dollars. I don't know why, but I picked fifty two as the number. And um, it's so weird. This was in 2000. End of 2008. Um, I was working at AT&T as a contractor. There was like 300 of us in a in a AT&T building that were all working for different BPOs or business process organizations, vendors, just filling seats, right. To take phone calls for AT&T U-verse tech support. And, uh, and there was no chance of getting a raise or a promotion or anything. All the management and everything was all AT&T. That was like untouchable. You couldn't get a job with AT&T. Um, but you could maybe do some like special projects and stuff. And that was about it. Well, somebody came in, there was a company that came in and bought up all the contracts and they start, they offered for AT&T to let go of their own team and that they would run operations in the building and AT&T took the deal. 
and they retired like 25 people. So it opened up an opportunity for me to step into leading a team. After I had just written down these goals, <laughs> it took exactly six months and I was offered a job as leading a team. And wow. so it was writing it down, man. It's magic. Pen to paper. I You can manifest call it whatever shit. you want, man. It was manifesting at such a high level. Um, and it's stuff that my dad tried to teach me when I was a kid and I just didn't want to listen. Um, or he thought it was like pipe dreams and stuff like that because he was writing down some fucking crazy shit. <laughs> but I was like, dude, you're never going to do that. Um, and what I didn't realize is that it was entirely achievable. Um, in fact, his goals now, looking back, I'm like that now. Bro, you were so small-minded. Um, mm. You have no idea what potential is out there. But um, the punchline was it was exactly six months. I got the first promotion. Um, I worked for nine months to train up my replacement. I immediately switched gears. And so I got this team high-performing. Mm -hmm. It was a big spotlight on us. It was a big special deal that we were doing. And uh, trained up my replacement in, over the next nine months. And so that goal that I had for within a year and a half to get the second promotion to like a second line manager and really coaching and developing at a high level, that came um, wow. in exactly 15 months. And the number that was associated with um, with the first raise was exactly $52,000. They offered me like 50. And I asked, I just on a, I mean, just on a whim, I just said, what about 52,000? <laughs> they literally, and the, no joke. So if you ever go in for a job, by the way, everybody, if you ever go in for a job, interview, promotion, offer, whatever, do not be afraid to ask. You will not get it if you don't ask. And I'm not even joking when I tell you it took all of seven seconds. So I asked and the, um, whoever the VP was, I think it was Missy. She's like, can you run that? She's like, yeah, sure. Do, 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 52 divided by whatever. Yeah, we can do that. It took literally wow. seven seconds to close that deal for exactly the number that I wrote down. So now I have three goals in... I don't know, took, you know, less than a year and a half. half yeah. That I knocked out that I wrote down and I'm like, all right, what's next. And so I started working with other people. That's when I really actually started to turn my attention to coaching and developing others mm. to do the same thing. Is and that that's, when you met Dorsey? Not yet. That, no. But that's when some magic happened. That's, I got time with my kids back. Like there was a lot of really cool shit that happened. And, um, and then, um, and then I got an offer to move out of state uh, about three years later, two, two three years later, uh, to do the same thing, to start a call center from scratch in Canton, Ohio. Um, the guy that was running operations there in, in Mesa, he jumped ship and uh, jumped on with a different company working on the exact same project, but just opening a call center from scratch and asked if I wanted to go. And I was like, sure, let's go. I did not know exactly where Canton, Ohio was um, <laughs> or what it was. Uh, no, I love Canton and anybody that's uh, that's back there, uh, you know, you're my Canton crew there. We met some amazing people um, and lifelong friends, um, really great relationships, but yeah, did it again. <laughs> Went out there, built a really, really high performing team. They did things that the, that AT&T didn't expect. And so they had no choice, but to reward them with, 
even bigger and better things that um, their own internal teams could not do well as well as we could. And yeah, um, went to Texas, tried for tried for the the trifecta, um, failed miserably, and came came running home. Uh, I said, "All right, that's enough of that. I think I want to be home." Done traveling, and so came back to Phoenix and got on with Apple a few months later, and been doing that for about seven years. But met Dorsey in the process because when I was out of state, um, I didn't get a, a visitation agreement from my my kid's mom. Mm. My fault. That's one hundred percent my fault. Um, I should have done that. <clears throat> and uh, communication with the kids started to wane, and then uh, just disappear altogether. Uh, couldn't get her to agree to any kind of visitation uh, for the kids to come out there. Came back home three times over the course of a couple of years. And on the last visit, it didn't go well. Um, it was very difficult to even get it to happen in the first place. Mm. And so I said, I can't keep doing this. Uh, the court would not award me visitation um, in Ohio. So I came home, dropped the job, dropped everything out there that we were trying to build and said, screw it, I'm coming home. And um, I came home, court still wouldn't work with me, um, ordered reunification therapy that did not work. In fact, my, mm-hmm. my kids didn't, the reunification therapist never got us in the room together after, you know, months of working. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so this is the fundamental issue. This is why I do this work now. And then after the court failed me and, um, and just didn't, you know, they didn't help the situation. I mean, I, I made. I made that bed, but they certainly uh, didn't help get me get me you know moving forward with my kids. So, so I had no choice. I had I had to find resources somewhere to make it right, and found Dorsey. Um, a lot of nights crying, a lot of paranoia, a lot of depression, anxiety, all that mm-hmm. shit set in. Um, that was around 2015, 2016. Uh, started a support group to help other parents going through it. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't even have an answer. I just knew something maybe could come out of that, you know, two heads are better than one. And, uh, but my emotional state, man, I was in shambles. I had to take, uh, leave of absence from work for a few months to go try some bridge medications and therapy and had to do it again a couple of years later with intensive outpatient. And, um, yeah, that none of that, I mean, that was all good to help maintain therapy has its place, but, the work that, um, that I do now that, um, Dorsey has been working on for 15 years now, it's actually the answer. It's the solution for all of that turmoil that family court causes a lot of families. Um, the majority of families, Hmm. there is a way out and, and it's all about mental health. It's not actually about the court custody case at all. It has to do with, um, just what's happening in that dynamic. When, when kids are rejecting their parents, that's not normal. That's just not normal. That's not yeah. built into us from a DNA perspective. 10,000 years ago, if we strayed away from the cave, we got eaten by tigers. That's what right. happened. Yeah. So, evolutionarily, like yeah. we want to be near our parents. So yeah. when, and, and so many of us do try to rebel, especially at a younger age against our parents now, which is, which is very odd. Um, but so what, what is the solution for that? Right. Cause I come yeah. from a super broken home. Like I got, I got taken from my mom when I was six years old, she was accused of molesting, uh, my, her boyfriend's kids. And mm-hmm. it wasn't true. It was actually him molesting my brother and I, 
And like that never ever went to court. And my mom right. had to fight for four years to even like see us five years. I didn't see her. I saw her for every other weekend in a, either in a visitation facility for DCF or mm. um, at McDonald's play place or like at the park, you know, for like an hour every other week for yeah. five years. It was it's crazy when I, Man, when I think I'm about so the fact to hear that. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. And then even when my mom, you know, won custody, she was uh, dating a lawyer and then got married to a lawyer. And my dad was like, you know, poor and moving us all around and super unstable. So then we moved with him and it's like, I don't even like know my mom, you know, like I haven't seen right. her in five years. I don't really even remember much about her, you know, besides yeah. the, the visits and like the bad stuff you say about her all the time, you know, like because. That is something that happens with with split homes is kids. I, I was that kid oftentimes get get caught in the middle because the the egos of the parents, they can't put it to side to to actually talk to each other. So they talk through. Yeah, the man. And I was always that kid. Tell your father, tell your mother, tell your father, right. tell your mother. Like uh, it's it's when I think about that, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like I never want to do that to my kids. Like that was so scarring, you know, like yeah. just forcing me to grow up like at a very 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 young age essentially because i was like the mediator for my parents <laughs> right it's and that's the fundamental issue when children are placed in the middle of the spousal conflict or really the the divorce conflict that's what um that's what the problem is and it shows mm -hmm. up a lot of different ways it shows up um in behavior in the children um, it's no question in your case, you know, it was dad's influence and some things that were happening uh, as a direct result. And it's not surprising that there's some abuse in there. I'm so sorry, Adam. I didn't, I didn't know all the details of your story that that's how deep it ran. Yeah. Um, but, um, but the solution is there really is only one answer and it's the court's duty to protect that, that they're failing to activate when attorneys are going in and just point the finger at mom and dad. It's no different. Look, you don't have to, by the way, at home, you don't have to pay an attorney to do that. <laughs> you both can just do that for free. Just go into the courtroom yep. and just, you know, do the other. back and forth. Sure. <laughs> but the problem is whether the attorneys, you know, are arguing it or not, the family court system, all they know how to do is throw up their, throw up their hands and say, well, we don't know. It sounds like uh, you all need a reunification therapist or some kind of family therapy. So that's what we're going to order. In effect, mm. <clears throat> what the family court system does is they do assessment and diagnosis from the bench and they prescribe the treatment for something that doesn't work. It's it's reunification therapy is what it's called. And that does not exist. That's not a thing. So it we, doesn't sound like they reunify anybody <laughs> and they don't and they don't. They're not equipped. There's some, <laughs> listen, some therapists and it depends on who it is. So some court systems might have a list of appointed, you know, experts that it's a list you can pull from and start calling around and find out who's available or get appointed to the case. And sometimes you'll see some like clinical psychologists in there, maybe a psychiatrist or something like that. Sometimes they're forensic, um, mm -hmm. meaning that really all their only job is to just simply look at data and report on it. They're not necessarily um, clinical psychologists that are their whole study was around treating or assessing and diagnosing issues in people and then prescribing the right treatment that that's really what a clinical psychologist does that's their primary role 
And so there's some therapists that do that. Maybe they just came up just short of a doctorate, right? Or they got mm -hmm. their, their PhD and they, they just had no interest in a, in a PsyD to, to be doctor or whatever of psychology. So, so they go the therapist route, right? Maybe a licensed counselor or a licensed social worker or something like that. And at the end of the day, um, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them just um, are executing the orders that were handed down by the court. Yep. That's their job. Mm -hmm. That's why they have judicial immunity. And there's not really any other way around that um, when you're just trying to, you know, shake people and tell them what's wrong. And, hey, this doesn't <laughs> feel right. And why does a, you know, why are children rejecting their parents? I mean, murderers can get visitation with their kids for crying out yeah. loud. Right. Yep. Yep. And even if I was abusive. Even if I smacked the kids, the crap out of my kids, if uh, if the cops were called and they were dragging me out in handcuffs, the kids would be grabbing on an ankle saying, don't take my mom, don't take my dad. Right. That's the truth. That's just that's built into us. That's uh, fight or flight. Don't take my protecting parent because uh, I don't want to get eaten by tigers. So right. that's that's what's supposed to happen. What actually happens is what is starting to become more widely known now as pathogenic parenting. And it's quite simply, it's imprinting of usually some traits of narcissism, borderline personality disorder, maybe some antisocial and some other clinical signs in the children that usually are not possible either. So we don't, we don't diagnose kids as narcissistic or borderline or any of those things because it's usually not possible while they're still developing and, and, you know, five, 10 years out from fully, um, you know, fully developed brains. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we hold off on those diagnoses, but if they show up, if the clinical signs show up, that is imprinting from an, from somewhere. So in, let's just say in your case, the only, um, the only possibility after not seeing your mom for five or six years, if those kinds of you know, behaviors were there. Let's just say there was rejection of mom and the confusion. And then, you know, the fear sets in of, oh my gosh, I'm with the abusive parent. What do I do? How do I manage this? There's only one way that you as kids that we can figure out how to manage it. And that was, well, I'll, I'm going to reject you because I'm just, I'm afraid to do anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that is, uh, it's vital that a clinical psychologist or someone that can perform a proper assessment and diagnosis come in, look at the symptom set in the children and not dismiss it as, well, we got to listen to the kids and whatever they want. That's, that's actually not the right answer. Listen mm -hmm. to the kids and listen to what they're saying, but match it up with what's in the DSM. These are, this is why there's a diagnostic manual and it's for mental health providers to be able to go down the list and go, Oh yeah, this, what a fixed false belief. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. There's, um, there's also a, you know, encapsulated delusion of dad's all bad and mom's all good or mm -hmm. mom, you know, mom did something and abused me in your case. Right. Um, and that never happened, but that's what I was told. So, okay, I'm supposed to believe that. And that's yeah. all clinical science that, you know, yeah. it can be identified. It just, does, it, it isn't, it's not. Today. It does feel like when I think back to it, um, like I never, never said my mom did because i knew i was like what the hell like this doesn't make any sense like my, my mom was a lot of things back then but not that you know like she worked all the time she really didn't pay us a lot of mind her boyfriend right. would always smoke cigarettes and weed and blow it in our face and shit you yeah. know like it was not a good environment but you know that 
wasn't what she was doing. And right. You know, in my mind, I'm like, why is this even happening? Like, how does this happen? Like, yeah, what is going on? And then, you know, like I said, when I when I moved back in with my mom, well, uh, going back further than that, actually, when the before we were taken away, the DCF workers, basically, it wasn't therapy. It was like interrogation. Right. It was like they're just trying to dig and find information about your parents to like dig them further and further and further. Right. And again, from a young age, these are the reasons I had to grow up quick because I was like, wait a second. These motherfuckers are trying to play me. Right. You know? <laughs> these motherfuckers are trying to turn me against like my parents, like make who's the bad guy, who's the good one. And I'm like, I love both my parents. What do you mean? Like, bingo. No the truth i'm like no like i love i love both my parents i don't know what's going on with my mom why is this happening this doesn't make sense she would never do something like that absolutely like you just don't understand i'm like i don't think you understand like you know like like seven years old saying this shit and that's the right answer the right answer is you know children deserve to give and receive love from both parents Mm -hmm. period yeah i mean it was even tougher because then when i moved back with her that 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 lawyer stepdad that I had, he was a real douche. He was a Vietnam Marine and he treated me like I was, you know, a recruit basically. And because from the beginning I missed my dad. So I would, I was crying every night and like, sometimes I like, like full blown panic attacks because I'm crying so bad. I can't breathe. Like, and he's just screaming at me. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I saw my friend's head get blown off next to well, me. That's not I'm good like, either. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that, I'm like, yeah, that is not a good situation. No, so and not at all. It's there's a lot of traumatizing things that definitely happened through the, through the. It's like, but without that, could I have been who I am today? You know, like I feel like as as dark as life gets, and sometimes like. Yeah me talking about this stuff to other people is like more uncomfortable for them than it is for me because I do feel like I've really worked and done my own therapy because I haven't been able to find anybody that's like worth it, you know, like that isn't either trying to jam pills down my throat or um, isn't just yes, yesing me to death. Like, you know, like give me some resistance, give me some, like something I can take away. Don't just, I know, like, it's cool to vent to you, but that's not why I'm here. Like, I need to, I have some things I'm working on. I can't get past them, and you're supposed to help me. Why aren't you helping me? <laughs> what, I'm curious, what is your relationship with your parents like today? Um, so, my mom, our relationship is better. We, since I had kids, you know, so, mm. so, um, initially, she was like, still wasn't on board with it all like i it was it was very hard to like convince her that mom i need to move in with you because me and my pregnant girlfriend are gonna be homeless if we don't and like i had right. to like bargain and do everything like to, to live there and it's it's a crazy situation and then she kind of was on my my uh son's mom's side for a little bit because you know i kind of can't blame her i was doing a lot of stupid shit and it's like okay adam's gonna turn his life around now like my she kind of like gave up on me. I gave up on her. And then once, once she realized what I was doing, we like had to talk about it and we've been better since, you know, like there's still some stuff I haven't fully um, processed with my mom, which I would really love to, because that yeah. would really like close that book all the way for me. Um, but she's not ready for that yet. Like my mom finally like got diagnosed as bipolar mm-hmm. and, and 
and you know like my older brother is so i'm most likely am too like my little sister is like we're all it's 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 a mess you know <laughs> like we're all bipolar but um i've done a lot of work to get past all these things you know and i'm like really trying to talk about them more especially like you know like getting molested and everything because as somebody that that has happened to the amount of men that have also said that that has it has happened to them and they've never told anybody until me right like 35 year old men right and i'm like I w i'm like dude give me a hug like yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's crazy to think that men are just like oh that didn't affect my life at all but okay you treated women like shit when you were younger and you you didn't have healthy relationships you had toxic relationships right. like dude do you not think any of that stems from an unhealthy sexual start? You know, like it, it's, it's clearly you've made all great de decisions since. Yeah. Your, yeah, since yeah. yeah. It's like, it, how can you be expected to, you know, make the right decisions yeah. when you're almost like, I was like overdeveloped and underdeveloped all at the same time. Yeah. Like my mind was, was super overdeveloped. And then like, sexually i was like overdeveloped but underdeveloped because i didn't understand it and i'm just it was like a weird fucking thing in yeah, my life arrested emotional development yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm it, i'm so glad you're still here yeah you are who you are you, um, know, you say you talk about your dad putting yeah, a gun man. to his head i did that in 2003 13 not 2003 2013 and that was when i was living in wyoming and i I'm, i actually moved out there because at the time it was like one of the darkest points in my life like my uh this year actually probably i think it's today if i'm not mistaken I, my mom's boyfriend who i worked with for a couple of years and we got really close he hung himself so t it's been 10 years since that um and then Jesus, you know, man, a sorry. month and a half after that my nana passed away and so i was like 21 I already was like not in a good place. And then I just fell into like the deepest depression. And one of my homies that I met online, he flew out and we met like in person. And then he's like, why don't you just come and live in Wyoming for a little bit? I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, and I just packed up a couple suitcases and left for Wyoming. Yeah. And my idea was, okay, I'm either going to turn my life around or it's really easy to get a gun in Wyoming and I'm going to kill myself. Wow. And I was like, I already had the plan. I knew what mountain I would go to if I was going to do it that way. Like it, it was, it was dark thoughts back then. And I remember one night I'd, I'd actually put the gun to my head and had like a full meltdown breakdown and never pulled the trigger. Thank God. But thank God, man, like that close, that close. And it's all just because so much of what I went through, I didn't, process i just stuffed it down i just yep. keep stuffing it down and now it's like i i try to face those things head on i i like dig deeper i'm like okay i just like lashed out at my fiance for something why did i do that what leads me to that kind of behavior like okay okay that's something i remember seeing like there why how can i like deprogram that out of my brain that that's normal it's it's been it's it's so hard too, especially in my situation because my fiance her parents are still together so she's wow. uh, yeah like so they she's she doesn't know anything about this and she tries to relate but it's 
it's not possible to relate if you haven't been through it. And it, uh, like, God bless her, man. Like you talk about Amanda saving you. Like, that's how I feel about her. Like so much of, I feel like I'm not a loser anymore because of her, you know, like, and that's kind of how you make it seem like with Amanda, like she like was like your, your Olympic torch. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, come on, come with me. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing when you, when you find a partner like that. And it's even more beautiful when like you come, we're very broken people. We're, ve we're, we're very broken people. And, um, it's for them to be patient enough to work with us through all yeah. of that. You know, it's, it says a lot about their character for them to see something in us, right. Yeah. That they thought yeah. was valuable that they thought, all right, this is worth sticking around. Yeah. Let's see what, let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see what happens the next five or 10 or 25 years. And I, um, man, um, not only, you know, and I, I like to think that we, maybe we thought we were broken, uh, and didn't know how old we are. Mm. Um, it's that chicken and the Eagle story. I don't know if you ever heard it. Uh, yeah. it was one that one of my therapists gave me a long time ago. You're an Eagle in a chicken coop, but if you, you know, if you're hanging around chickens, you're going to act like a bunch of chickens, you know, act that are, you know, exhibiting the same behavior. So yep. just walking around clucking like a chicken when really you're an Eagle and you look up, and you know there's eagles flying around like ooh that'd be cool i'd like to do that but you just don't think it's possible cuz look you're a chicken and uh and it's not until somebody actually pulls you aside and says look i don't know if you know this but like you're you don't belong here what do you mean i don't belong here <laughs> i'm a chicken <laughs> with <laughs> with my people <laughs> wow and yeah it's just holding the mirror up to be able to see how not broken we are and that's part of it is um going deep right and some of the like you said like why did i you know behave this way in this situation it, there's some of those things that um decision forming incidents that maybe we um you know we pick up in whether it's childhood or church or mm -hmm. whatever it is right there's things that kind of build our construct as we grow right and that's it. We think that whatever this is, this is how everything's supposed to be because this is what I was taught. Or I chose these decisions um, because of all the information that I had previous. So I'm, I'm all I can do is just keep being a chicken. Mm -hmm. And right. And you don't. And so many people do. Any different. And so many people do every day. And when in reality, it was never about even how broken we were. It was what do you want? what life do you want to have that I think is what Amanda saw in me initially is um, clearly that there, there was something else that was waiting for me that I just wasn't accepting of yet. And then meeting Dorsey and finding the path to get there um, was life changing. Those are um, two of the people that I will um, be forever grateful to for just believing in me on this journey. Mm -hmm. There was two that when I, when I bounced around the Southwest and I came from California to air, uh, back to Arizona, there was two people that, um, they accepted me, dude. And I'm telling you at the highs, right at the end, you know, before the, the big drop, um, they were there when I was rocking, you know, 
in the clubs on the weekends and mm-hmm. doing my thing and, uh, you know, living large and all that. And they also were right there when I was going through all the shit, um, at the beginning of my divorce and, and a lot of the, um, struggles with, uh, alcohol and, and, um, family court and behind on child support and bouncing around from different jobs and not having a place to live, wrecking my car, blah, 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 blah. They were right there. Sandra and Vicky, they were two of the people that Mm -hmm. from, um, from the day that I moved back here to Arizona, they were, we were like the three amigos. And if it wasn't for them actually back then in those early days, I would have probably wound up dead somewhere on the side of the road. But, um, yeah, they, they carried me through at least those, you know, those first few years to, to get me to the place where I met Amanda and then things really started to take, take off from there. Um, so it's yeah, so, it's interesting how it works. It's so nice to have like guardian angels almost like that in your life. Like yeah. for, for me, it's like my buddy, he's like my brother, dude. I've, I've known him since I was 13, you know, like I'm 31 now. We've, we've been friends for a long time and right. he's, there's been times I've slept on his couch. There's been times we've lived together. He's gotten job opportunity after job opportunity after job opportunity. And always just looking out. Like if something goes wrong, he's always the first person to be like, well, that sucks. But like, what are you going to do now? You know, like you can't just sit around and, you know, like stop everything you're doing. It's right. he's that type of person. So it's, he's, he's definitely one for me. And, my friends that I had, my friend Tay, she let me sleep on her couch too for a while. Like, there's just, I can't believe that people are so nice be, to like, I'm just like, oh, I have nowhere to stay. Let me sleep on your couch. They're like, okay. Right. Don't even think about it. I'm like, uh, okay. I'm like, uh, it's, it does suck though. Yeah. It feels after like one night, you feel just intrusive. It's just like you're, you're, you know, you're not really. The first night there. I felt intrusive. <laughs> intrusive yeah. But, Look at it, and it's that first few moments of like, I fucking I got to do whatever I got to do, right, to yeah. stay alive today. And uh, and I'd rather not sleep under a bridge, but hmm. I guess if I have to. Um, and yeah, and so you you know you hope somebody's there to catch you. And thank God, man, that we had you know a few people in our lives that we could count on in those early days. And those were two of them, Sandra and Vicky. They made they made they at least made sure that I had somewhere to go. You know, if nothing else. Uh, now everything else they they didn't necessarily want to help me with, although they mm. they tried to help me with work and they tried to help me even with like food and just maybe some sort of normalcy, like would you know let me hang out with them on the weekends or whatever, and you know kind of pay my way. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when it came down to uh, me kind of getting out on my own again, um, again just broke, dude. I was like sharing mm. a room with a guy that rented out six other bedrooms in his home. He has this big home way out on the outskirts of town. So sharing the mess, the master bedroom with the guy that owned the house, he put up like one of those little changing, you know, screens, one of those little things, the little folding accordion screens in between us. But it, and it was only 200 bucks a month for rent. And I couldn't even pay the $200 after the first month. Um, I was starting another new job. I was trying to sell cars. I was horrible at it. Um, and I had to borrow his car to get to work because it was so far. I tried doing it by bus, couldn't get there. Um, so I was borrowing his car. I couldn't even make it back most nights. So I spent like the first three months just sleeping in the back of the car a lot of nights because I didn't have uh-huh. enough money for gas yep. to get by. I had that five bucks. 
right? Yep. For the whole week. That was it. Five meat doubles that I knew I could do. And so, um, yeah. So when I started getting close on gas, I'm like, well, screw it. It's got a back seat. I can sleep here, you know, and he'd get worried and blah, blah, blah. But then I came up short and I couldn't pay rent. And I, I literally, this is the part that I think I've shared it once, but um, I traded him sensual massage for rent uh, because <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't pay. Like yeah. that's, you know, that's where it was at. So, man, that was a long time ago. It feels like it was a long time. It wasn't. It was like 15 years ago. Um, yeah. It's not that long ago. And, uh, and so I, I, remember it because it's so fresh like a, a lot of those you know things that i had to do just to get through a day but man is today sweet yeah uh, i can't even express dude and, and this is the part that you know yeah i hate to say it, gary says you know gary, gary says all the time <laughs> gary vader says all the time like either you know you see people like flexing on instagram and stuff and Usually it's like, you know, they paid somebody a hundred bucks to rent their jet for an hour to do a photo shoot or, you know, whatever, right? The, right. the shiny stuff is that's out there or, you know, you just don't see the 15, 20, 25 years of hustle before those moments when it paid, when it actually pays off real, right? Yep. Like a Grant Cardone or whoever. And, um, yeah, Grant's got a couple jets, but he's also been fucking working and mm -hmm. learning his craft well, really, really well for a long time. It wasn't always that way, you know, and it mm -hmm. certainly wasn't that way for me. I mean, I, this literally, I'm not even joking, Adam, when I tell you that it was the first year that I was able to enjoy that dinner and the people mm -hmm. around me and just enjoy it and not feeling like I was guilty or doing something I shouldn't be doing, or I didn't deserve to get that table, um, or um, yeah, any of the shame or the guilt or any of the stuff from you know my past, or you know paranoid like, all right, who's going to find out I'm here and kick me out <laughs> and tell me no, you're not supposed to be. This is not for you. Are you mm -hmm. kidding? Um, <clears throat> you don't deserve nice things, but um, yeah, that this was the first one man in a long time that it just, it felt so good. And, and I was able to just enjoy the moment with, uh, with a lot of really special people. And today, dude, this conversation with you, man, I mean, there's a lot that we talked about already that anybody could like, I'm sure pick apart and go, Oh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, yeah. have a different opinion or whatever. I, I could give a shit less. Yep. Um, right. Good or bad. Um, yeah. It's funny when people try to like, um, like I've had people that are real jealous say like, Oh, you're a failed entrepreneur and stuff. I was like, yeah, I've had a couple of L's, but I've, I've literally talked about all of them publicly. It's like Eminem and eight mile when he just like makes fun of himself the whole time. And then yeah. there's nothing you could say. Like I put my L's just out there louder than I put my W's most of the Why time, not? you know, yeah. like <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes ever, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that's all staged. I get it. But also at the same time. Well, and actually, so uh, I don't mean to get totally off topic. So if you go back and watch the making of 8 Mile, yep. the fact that they actually went out and farmed local rappers and said, you know, let's at least let's try to get some some authenticity, you know, mm -hmm. into that moment. And they did. There's some of the guys that are in the the um, the New World 
um, or free world uh, crew that are actually their local rappers in and around yep. either Detroit or whatever. And um, <clears throat> who was it? It was, uh, it wasn't Lickety, but it was, uh, who was the second guy that was rapping? I think it was him. He's one of them. And the first, oh, the very first guy when rabbit chokes, yep. he's, he's actually a pretty well-known rapper in the area. Um, and then, somebody else that they didn't use but if you go back and watch the making of they uh they freestyled a little bit mm -hmm. the local guys as tryouts yeah. uh but they got to freestyle with them so he's up there just taking whatever and man they were brutal <laughs> bro yeah. they were not holding back at all like they didn't give a shit that it was you know a chance uh -huh. to get in a movie they were just like oh you won't you want me to flex? Okay, well, you want? I'll, I can show you what I got. Then sure. Yeah, I've seen that. Just scene. It, I, oh I remember God, they were saying that um, uh, there was a point where Eminem was starting to lose his voice, so they told him to stop actually rapping. Yeah. They'll like dub it over. Yeah. And he, there was like one girl that was just going so hard at him that he, he started like actually going at her. Yeah. <laughs> the whole crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was awesome. And because he's rapping and he's like he's just moving his mouth and there's yep. nothing happening and, like the crowd's supposed to react like oh <laughs> right they're just like at whatever random yeah um and uh and yeah when he finally had enough he's like nah this is not happening i'm not gonna continue to sit up here and take this um without yeah coming back and yeah it was interesting but anyway i don't even remember oh yeah because that's yeah that's where you're at right you're like you're caught in the corner and at some point you don't have a choice. Like mm -hmm. you got to either make conscious decisions and start moving forward or you shrivel up and die. I mean, uh, that's, those are the two options. So yeah. I always, you know, again, I always wondered like, how do people wind up, you know, broke on the street struggling? How does that happen? You know? And, and then it happens. I came way too fucking close yeah. <laughs> to finding out the whole story. And yep. yeah. I'm just so thankful, it's, man. So much of it too. And I, I feel like a lot of this goes back to everything I've said about my childhood is like, it's like, it's almost like it becomes self-sabotaging at a point, you know, like you really, you have these good things, but you literally just destroy them. And I've done that my yeah. whole life. Like whenever I feel like I have too much of a good thing going on, I end up destroying it because I'm like, oh, I don't deserve this. There's no way yeah. I deserve this. You know, like it's, I, I, I think it's just, Fear, uh, it's like, fear it's like, of success yeah almost fear of success like, imposter syndrome i can't pull this off they're gonna find out i'm a fraud i better yeah. i better cut this off at the knees before it even gets there i mean i've had <laughs> and for me yeah. it's like i've had six different businesses before yeah. these that i have now like i had a music studio in colorado we i had uh a company where i just made like beard and beard products and skin products for people i didn't know what i was doing i was just like oh i know how to do this i'm just gonna do it um yeah. i had a grow consultant business i had um i guess it wasn't really six it's like three or then my last cbd business with my partner you know yeah. <laughs> that, that that counts as an l absolutely um, so but, it but it's as, like yeah there's, there's a few on there and and people really think like when people are like say shit online i'm just like this is why do you guys do the things you do you letting the algorithms fuck with you like <laughs> <laughs> clearly whatever i said tr triggered you and you yeah. should not let it give you that reaction like i'm yeah. i'm notorious 
for like I'll 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 like somebody will put up a subliminal status about me, right? Yeah. I don't I'm not on Facebook anymore. This is why I'm not on Facebook anymore because <laughs> I will comment on there. I'll I'll go against I'll I'll literally expose how what they're saying is is bullshit, right? And then just delete my comment and block them, and just be like I'm done. And they get nice. so fucking mad. Like it's like they they send you screenshots. I still have the screenshots. I was like. Okay. <laughs> i know what i said i didn't say anything i regret yeah, facebook was <laughs> weird i got yeah, i dude. got had a couple run-ins with, with people that i i guess I, I mean i used to work with back in the day but um every once in a while would get some weird messages and stuff and even in this space dude it did not take long for you know creepers to start showing up it was weird dude, how about that one dude that he hacked me and then he told me he's like be careful of sal he's in the mafia and i'm like uh, oh is sal? that that army drew guy yes dude. Yeah, yeah yeah that was yeah that was the one i was like the fuck is going on dude what is wrong with yeah. people but you know again it's it's kind of coming back to like this is you know the these are some of the things that you don't have to endure them we actually make a lot of choices anyway about what yep. experience we want to have that's a whole nother layer um and that is part of the solution too not only you know just in life but also in uh in the whole high conflict, you know, family court thing, it's choosing what experience you want to have is half of it. Really, that's all of it. And then just executing. So same thing in life. It, it's, it's, I, you know, I started to choose a different experience and found out what the power of manifestation was, even before I knew that's what it was. All I, all I knew I was putting pen to paper and I was writing some shit out and I was hopeful that it was going to happen, but different kind of hopeful it wasn't like the oh i hope someday it was mm. the no i'm going to intentionally work on these goals every single day i'm going to look at them i'm going to figure out what can i do today to get me closer to those goals and it worked i was like fuck well if that worked what else is possible else? <laughs> <clears throat> and so slowly this is so it's interesting the first 10 years were like this slow little progression and just kind of inch by inch by inch by inch a lot of self-sabotage in there still um never by the way never owned my home own home um we lost our family home when i was i don't know 18 or 19 18 um so i've been you know apartments and rental homes since then and um five years ago is when 2016 is when i found uh dorsey pruder i found the work that she does and um uh, also intentionally tried to figure out a way how do i get connected with her and it was about a year after I found her that um, a call came literally out of the blue that somebody called me and said, hey, do you want to meet Dorsey in Tucson? We're both up here in Phoenix. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like when? And he's like, now? I was like, what do you mean now? <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, just... she's down there right now. She's, uh, she's getting ready for a conference and she's got today that is kind of open. And it's like, bro, it's like 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, Tucson's about a solid, it's like a solid hour and 45 minute drive. Yep. I made it there in an hour flat. Um, <laughs> I made it there like a <laughs> hundred miles an hour down the freeway and, uh, and met her. And I was like shaking and crying. And uh, my buddy was like, dude, you, how fast were you driving? I was like, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> it's not important. It's important is we're here and let's go meet Dorsey. So I met her. We, um, 
her and I stuck around and, and got to meet some, some of the folks that she was going to be in a conference with. And, um, yeah, we just, we hit it off. And the next thing I knew I was, um, I was in California training to be a coach with her in her business. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. That was 2017. And so, um, yeah, the last four years, um, a little over. So, um, we went from that kind now? of incremental. So that, that's, what's crazy, dude. I'm, I met her in March of 2017, I think April, March, April, um, wow. March of 2018, Amanda and I bought this home. So we've had this house three and a half years now. Um, that's also when Amanda, that, that was the second time that Amanda told me, no, thank you on crypto was that same time frame. So just so that uh-huh. we're clear, it was going to be either buying a home, right? Socking some cash away or throwing a, a few bucks at crypto. And she said, no, thank you. And I, that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> but, <laughs> about how did that turn out? Um, but, uh, cause clearly she's into it now. Right. So, um, so she fully understands like what could have happened, like the, what it could have should have. We were just talking about it today, but there's no what it, mm-hmm. what it could have should have. But anyway, it was around the same time. So March, yeah, March, 2018, we, we move into our, our new home and Adam, I, I mean, I couldn't have planned it any better. A, her mom was 75. She needed knee surgery. Um, she had been working, maintaining, um, an almost half a million dollar home on her own supporting like six members of the family, um, including me and Amanda for, um, for a few months, more than a few months, about a year. And, um, and in our goal to purchase a home, she was still working and trying to maintain her home and other, other members of the family. But the punchline is we moved in, in March, the end of March, March 30, um, Mm. We got to move her mom from the rehab facility where she was recovering from her knee surgery into her room here at the new house. We already had everything, all the furniture moved over. Um, It's a four bedroom house. So we have a guest room that's right by my mother-in-law's room. And the room that I'm in is our, uh, it's the second bedroom from the back, but it's, it's the only other room with a walk-in closet. That's seven by five. That was Mm. perfect for a vocal booth, little ISO booth in there. Um, and this wound up being the, you know, home office and studio and it's just like perfect. I mean, just enough backyard for the dogs to go out and do their thing. And, um, yeah, brand new home. It was back home. And I told her wow. the day we went out to look, she got pre-approved for a loan and, um, and, and I, we played hooky and went house shopping. <laughs> uh Oh, he played. He played hooky and jumped off the podcast. <laughs> Give Sal a second to hop back in here. I bet you his phone died or something like that. That's usually what happens in these situations. Hold on, Stoner Brain. I have to remember what we were talking about. Ah, stoner Brain is so tough sometimes. <laughs> Let me hit him up. Make sure. Do-do-do-do. Uh, see, shit, was that me or was that? <laughs> yeah, that was you. Oh damn! <laughs> I think my phone overheated. I think it's done. Oh, um, 
well, we'll see. We'll see how far we get. If not, I'll, I'll jump back on the computer, but, um, yeah, man, we, uh, we got lucky. That's the bottom line. We got super, super blessed, super lucky. Um, she said, she said, I lost connection. I'm like, I know. Very sweet. Oops. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, <laughs> you said you, you said you were, uh, you played hooky to, to buy a house. I was like, oh, you, you played hooky and jumped off oh. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, uh, it was a Friday. I think she got pre-approved. Yeah. And, um, it might've been Friday, March 1st, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to go back and look if that's right. She'll probably correct me here in about two seconds. Um, and before we left, cause she didn't want to look at homes at all or even listings until she had her pre-approval. And, uh, and so, uh, when she got it, then she got excited. She's like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, cool. Um, and I already had a list of a bunch that I wanted to look at. I said, but here's the deal. We're going to go out today. I know you have your heart set on like one, two, three. She took a look at the list. She kind of liked a couple. It was like, I know you got your heart set, but I'm telling you, we're going to walk in somewhere. They're going to have some weird spec home or something that was started, not start, you know, not finished or whatever. And they're going to make us some kind of weird, crazy offer. It's not even going to make any sense, but that's going to be the home. And, uh, it ha- dude, it happened exactly like that. We went out house hunting all day long. She wanted to go home. She was even crying because the last house that she decided she wanted, we went back to go put an offer in on it. And somebody put an offer in like as we walked through the door. We were like, hey, we just wanted to talk to you about. And he's like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And looks at his phone. He's like, oh, I can't. Somebody already put an offer in the home. I was like, what? So we left. She was upset. And uh, and I didn't take her straight home. I went to one last stop. And it was this development that was being uh, built out. And she's like, I don't want to go. She was like four years old. She was like, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, but she really did. And uh, so we pulled in and she's like, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to waste my time. This is all a waste of time. We can't afford these homes. We'd already looked at their one of their sister properties and they were pricey. And this one was supposed to be a little less expensive, but the same type of build. I was like, let's just go in and ask. Let's just ask and see. You never know. Mm-hmm. And so we walk in. Guy works with us uh, for a couple minutes and he's like, do you mind if I ask like how much you got a pre-proof for? And, you know, well, do you mind how much, you know, do you mind if I run some numbers? And so he starts running some numbers and he's like, no, your pre-approval's wrong. You could probably do X. We're like, really? He's like, yeah, pretty sure. I mean, unless there's like some other crazy stuff we don't know about. And we're like, no, I mean, we told him everything. So, uh, so he said, okay, well you, you can go look at these three homes uh, these two are probably in your price range. The other ones like the two stories and you know, the bigger stuff. No, we're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So we looked at the first house. It's nice. It's like three bedroom. I mean, it's totally nice. Like it's very nice. Um, three bedroom, two bath, um, really nice home. Second one, she walked through the door and she goes, Oh my God. And we were with a couple other people. They sent us as a group to go, just walk houses by ourselves. Yep. And she turns around everybody. She's like, do not put an offer in on this house. This is my house. <laughs> we did, we had just literally, we walked through the door. We didn't even get all the way inside the house. And, uh, I'm like, don't, don't you want to see like at least the, she's like, Nope, this is the house. I know it is it's like, okay. Now seriously though, we probably should 
Nope. And uh, it was it was the pricier of the two, but um, she was right. She was one hundred percent correct. We were here till I don't know six thirty, and um, put an earnest payment down. And next thing we knew, she was you know getting worked. Um, her her deal was getting worked through the mortgage company, and yeah, twenty eight days later, I think we had a we had keys to the house. That's so exactly amazing. four weeks. Yeah, so okay. cool. I can't wait for that feeling. Like I, I really can't. Like I, there's not too many people that actually own homes in my family, so like it's it's gonna be a big deal. And plus, I want yeah. land. I like I, yeah. I want like minimum five acres. You know, yes. <laughs> um, I yes, need that land. Um, I'm actually looking at a couple properties that have like twelve plus, so that'd be awesome. Nice. Um, but I gotta get the income. You know what I mean? Like I haven't had income yeah. on the books in four and a half years, so. I got to get something on the books that, that, that they can right. feel more comfortable with giving me the loan. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for different types of loans. Like I'm, I'm looking into using my VA loan finally, you know, like nice. I joined Marine Corps boot camp in 2009 and then blew out my knee in boot camp, and they found out I lied about it and it was a whole hubbub and, but I got honorably discharged still. So yeah, I'm technically a veteran. So I'm, I'm, I, I've fought with myself a lot about using the benefits and all my friends that are like combat Marines and shit are like, dude, fuck the government. <laughs> like, just do that shit. Like do your VA thing. Like you, you did join, you were going to go to combat with us and you just got hurt. You know, like it just is what it is. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, all right. All right. And I like lost my DD 214. So that was always my excuse. Mm. Like, oh, I can't use it. I don't have my DD 214. And then my buddy, uh, Nick, that the one that has let me like crash at his house and got me job opportunities and everything. He was like, dude, you could just request that shit through USCGIS. And I was like, the fuck is that? And he's like, I saw, I look at it, I look it up and I send in my stuff and I get my DD 214. And then I went to the VA and I'm like, I'm not really a veteran, right? Like, like that's that's not really a thing. They're like, no. Like, I mean, your DD two fourteen is good, and like, you're yeah, you should be good. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. Because like, say I was to get a a VA loan for building a house, mm -hmm. right? You only have to put five percent down, right? And if you buy the land outright, then it, that counts towards your down payment. Sweet. So like, it's, it's just crazy. So even, but I mean, realistically, even if you have a $400,000 build with the land and everything, was that uh $20,000 down? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot. <laughs> it's not. And you where know, would like, you go? Would you stay there or would you move out? Uh, we would we're staying in the, in New England, you know, like we're yeah. talking about moving to Rhode Island. It's like an hour from where we are now. Oh, um, interesting. Just because yeah. it's it's uh got more land, you know. My son's still here, and I don't have custody of him yet, so I'm I'm still locked around here until I can do that. Right. Um, and you know, my my girl's family's all here and everything too. So, sure. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, you gotta stay close. Yeah, because if not, I'd be in Colorado. <laughs> I love Colorado. Right. That was my favorite state I've lived in for sure. For a few it. reasons. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. Like I, I never got bothered for weed there. You know, like I used right. to go on lunch break, go to the dispensary and get some weed. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's my AT and T awesome. thing. Like just waiting for somebody to right? ask me a cell phone question. Like, <laughs> totally, that's awesome. Oh, you worked for AT and T also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked no in way. the stores. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Two different times. When I was in Wyoming, that's when I started working there. And that's the job that transferred down to uh, Arizona, too. I worked at um, the Arrowhead Mall in Glendale, Arizona. The it was AT&T. literally down the street from where we live. I, I know. You are telling me that. that. Yeah. yeah. Like ten, it's that's, 10 minutes from here. It's just such a such a crazy thing, dude. Like, I can't wait. Yeah. I, I've my my uh my girl one of her friends lives out in arizona and now i know you guys but i have friends that like when i live there i'm still friends with them like i know if i flew out to arizona it would be i haven't seen them in forever or even talked to them in a little bit but i know it would just be popping you know like it's oh dude what's up <laughs> yeah so we, it, yeah it would be a blast and I you gotta, have a place to stay anytime in fact oh. justin stevens is coming out uh, he's gonna him and his sister and his daughter are staying here tomorrow night. Um, oh, so yeah, we're uh, we're gonna hang out here, and he's he's actually not far from us. His dad, I think, is uh, in Peoria, so they're right down the one hundred and one, man, real close. Yeah, mm-hmm. so cool. And so, that's that's been the most exciting part. I mean, the you know the the thought of like the money and the NFTs and like what's possible in the space and you know, people doing uh, amazing things, right? Like even yourself with, uh, Terra Apothecary, um, the, the people that I've not just met, um, cause that's too easy, right? Like the people that we kind of hang out with in clubhouse and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's really easy because everybody's just so fucking nice to say how amazing this community is. Um, what has blown my mind and I cannot wait for, uh, for everybody else to experience it, um, is when we've connected in person, you know, Ron and Alyssa were the first ones that we, we got the opportunity, right. When it came out for, uh, Brielle's competition yep. and then everybody in California and, uh, Mikey and well, actually Mikey in Las Vegas, that was, uh, maybe the first one or right after Ron and Alyssa, I can't remember, but, um, then seeing Mikey again uh, last, you know, a couple weeks ago in Vegas, we met up mm-hmm. and got to go meet Kali Buds, right? And meeting Kali, and then Jack got to meet Kali out in Miami last night, and just, I mean, it goes on and on and on. But it, and it's not, um, it's not about the rock star status. It's just the the incredible depth of every single person, the depth of character that is displayed in here on clubhouse, um, in IG, um, it's real. It's fucking real. Like it, and, and it's tangible and I cannot wait for everybody to experience that in person. Um, come may it's, um, it's just a whole nother level when you like every, every, everybody just clicks like everybody just meets up and it's like we you know we've known each other this whole time it's 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 real it's a real connection mm-hmm. and it's not like weird and having to meet each other again and relearn shit and you know it's just good it's just really good and yeah it's amazing i'm so so excited dude for um 
yeah, for May, it's going to be overload. It really is. Like I was, I was telling the job that because I was like, listen, May nineteenth through the twenty fourth, I am not going to be here. It if you guys don't right. give me the time off, I'm that's still okay. not gonna be here. I'm still not going <laughs> to be here. Yeah. Um, I'm not missing this for anything. This is the most important thing that's probably ever happened to me so far, and the amount of it's going to be like literally. 128 hours straight of networking, essentially. <laughs> right. It is. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be insane. I can't I, imagine um, that we're going to spend that much time together. And, and I already know, dude, the minute like people have to start getting on planes and go home, like it's, gonna it's just going to be, bro, I'm going to be so heartbroken. Um, it was hard enough just saying goodbye to, you know, 20 plus, 30 plus. Uh, I can't imagine when it's 10,000 or whatever the number is, you know, winds up being. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be hard so, both ways for me. because yeah, uh, We're going like, to have to get is, lots of good timing. This is only my second trip away, that would be away from my family. <laughs> like if I can't afford to bring them with me by then, which things sure. are looking good right now. Um, yeah. But if I'm not able to. I'm going to have to deal with the, you know, anxiety of missing my daughter. Cause I, I, I will definitely miss her. And I'm going to be like on the yeah. plane, like, <laughs> just like yeah. everything's okay. We're doing this for her. We're yeah. doing this for her. You know what I mean? Like, and then on the way home, it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to be like, what am I going to see these people? Like, I just know how my brain is like anxiety and I'll just be like yeah. this. You won't even know right. from the inside. Right, right, right. Like... <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to let it out. Yeah. Um, and we're here for you. You know that. So yeah, I'm if that happens, some, uh, you never know. Yeah, we I'm got, bringing we got some, plenty uh, of time. Some treats with me. Some. Uh, Are you? Some, yeah. And I'm uh, while I'm there, I'm definitely. I'm thinking about some picking up treats. Yeah. Yeah. Some terror treats. Some vitamins. That's what I like to call. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Because I feel like if I'm microdosing, I'll be able to mi manage my stress and everything much, much better. Nice. Um, it's it, it it really does. It's like every time I take it, it just reminds me of why I take it. I'm like, it doesn't fuck you yeah. up. It doesn't alter you whatsoever. It's just like all of a sudden it kicks in and you're like, I don't think I'm a piece of shit anymore. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't want to self-sabotage. Why do I do that? You know, like that's amazing. It's it's crazy, yo, Stephen. I am bringing some CBD oil, and I'm definitely bringing some THC oil too, oh, like nice. stashed away yeah. in one of those bottles. <laughs> That's so but cool. I gotta um, I gotta find. I think I have a connect out there, but I gotta find the connect for Bud because as soon as I land, that's why I, I gotta pick some up and and smoke a little bit because that'll help me with everything <laughs> oh in uh minneapolis in minneapolis yeah i'm a little bit worried about the bud i'm hoping that whoever gets is is connected gets some like canada bud and because mm. we're, we're pretty close ish i mean yeah. not really i guess like four hours probably um but yeah i hope i hope we can get some good shit out there um i don't think it's yeah, illegal man. there peg i think it's decriminalized there up to a certain amount. Oh, PD said, just come yeah. find me. All right, very well. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What's his number? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Where's he still? Where you stay at? 
guys, <laughs> I just want to say that tonight on Twitch, we had between like four to six viewers, and I was very close. I wonder if it'll tell me right now. My last thing that I had to do to be a partner was to average three viewers for like a month. And I was at 2.5 last week. And I think it might have gone down a little bit. But with this average, it might actually get me to be a partner on Twitch, which would be fucking awesome. I've been working so hard to get there. Twitch wow. is not easy if you're not good at gaming. Um. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Because you don't have yeah, 300 people a pop hanging out. All yeah. Time. Like, I, I literally... Um, I tried playing video games and streaming that and, and it really affected my, my viewer because it was like no viewers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody wanted to watch me play fucking video games because I wasn't that great at them. And I was right. I was trying to be good at them, so I'm like this. <laughs> oh yeah, people are here. Uh so uh you know it's awesome. Just... <laughs> Didn't go well. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I was like, let me try to um, put what did Adam say on Twitch, and it's just been a slow build, and we're, we're finally getting there, and every time I, I have an episode and I see even one viewer, I'm just like, word, this is fucking awesome, because yeah, um, I just think about Gary in my head, you know, like, how he says, like, nobody watched any of his fucking videos in the beginning, and then all of a sudden they did, and I'm going to have so much content for people to look at. Um, that it's it's really gonna be crazy because it's gonna it's like you were saying people are gonna be like oh it's an overnight success all of a sudden he just has all these viewers and stuff right and it's there it's like oh did you forget about the five years of podcasting i did to an audience of like 10 like <laughs> and loved every second of it just the same as if it's a million yep. you know like they sure didn't it's yeah nobody ever wants to see that or hear about that and yeah um it is what it is, you know? <laughs> it looks like, I think they, it sounded like they tried to pass um, legal marijuana use, recreational use in May, and it failed. So ah. it's decriminalized, but it's still a $200 fine if you have, uh, if you have <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How far right. is Minneapolis from the border, though? How far do you hmm. have to go? Oh, yeah, because it's legal in Illinois. I mean, that reminds me of back in the day, fucking when I, when I lived in Wyoming, the part of the story I left out was that we were making moves out there. Like we would, we would go down to Colorado and get like poundage a week and then yeah. drive back to Wyoming and flip it in a single, single night, one night, every single Good time. Shit. Every single time. We just collect all of our checks within a couple days. And well not checks, but cash, you know what I mean? Um and just do it all over again. That shit's wild. That would remind me of like doing that, going to Illinois, buying some bud and going back to fucking Minneapolis. Right. Wisconsin. That's what worries me because like usually the the non legal states have trash bud. <laughs> Uh, Wisconsin is legal and that's right. So Minneapolis is on the, it's like on the, um, almost East border of, uh, of Minnesota and Wisconsin. So I, I think it looks like it's like, what is it like? Maybe an hour across the border. Hmm. Maybe. 
that'll be a fun adventure for for isaac to follow along that's the yeah, other I'm, thing like we're going to fucking vcon with a videographer and i know right it is going to be tough i will admit because i want him to experience it too yeah but like we also need content so it's going to be a a, a I'm going to have to really listen to how he's feeling and, and what he's saying to yeah. like, you know, cause in New York this past time, um, he was like, ah, I don't want to bring my, my whole setup, my like gimbal and shit. I was like, nah, bro, just, just bring it. It'll be, it'll be a better shot. Yeah. He's like, I can, I can hold it steady. I can hold it steady. I was like, are you sure, dude? And I like made him down himself. Yeah, but... And then yeah. he brought it and he was like, dude, this sucks. This is so heavy, blah, blah, blah. I ended up carrying it on the walk back because I felt bad. I was like, yeah, dude, you're right. Like, I shouldn't have told you yeah. to bring that. Like, I should just listen to you. You know what you're talking about. Like, he's like, huh. All right, yeah, but <laughs> it's just like I was wondering. Like, I was actually wondering for that trip. I mean, now he's going, yeah. right? So now he's got a, he's got a token, right? So maybe, hopefully, uh, I I can really see him getting one. He's probably got a token, um, or at least access. But if so, he's there. Let's just assume he's there. Would fractional, uh, would fractional use of his skills be a possibility? Can we fractionalize his? uh his cinematography ability between a, a few of us do you think that's an option if we possibly. did that possibly possibly yeah i think that would be like honestly the coolest way to do it is to have like you know a group of us like even if it's a big ass group like cool that's more content <laughs> you know what i mean like and it it follows yeah. around uh through that group because I, I don't want it to be all about me you know like i do want to have my experience there too but uh, there's so like there's ten thousand people there like me and you and like what the right. fuck it's gonna be filled with amazing human beings and i i want him to you know network and make connections that are gonna help him too and and, and i want him to showcase his work like i told him i want to get like six to eight episodes out of vcon He's like, oh what? yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, we're there for five days. We'll be straight. Don't worry. Like, and we don't have to put things in order. Like, you know, that's the beauty of like TV reality style things. You know, like and the travel days, one whole video all by itself. You know, yeah, that's one yeah. Content. yeah, yeah. Here's hoping yeah. that they let us film in the airport. They probably won't. We'll probably just have to do it on our phones. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's what I. Uh, it's what I did to and from LA. Although I haven't released anything yet. I still haven't sat down with any of that video that I shot and I didn't get that much of the birth. That what's funny is as soon as we got off the plane and we did that first little IG with, uh, with Bryce, I had the worst battery issues, man. I, everywhere we went, there was like the shittiest signal for T-Mobile mm-hmm. and the battery drain would drain in like 30 minutes. I could, I couldn't do anything. And yep. I needed to, you know, uh, I needed to find a different cable. I didn't have a USB C to lightning charging cable for the car. Like it was just every single excuse, right? That everything that can go wrong will go, go wrong. wrong. <laughs> it all went wrong. So I didn't get shit the entire weekend. And uh, and I'm not sure if anybody else did, but uh, but it seemed like enough people went live, you know, throughout the weekend that at least there were there were some cool some cool posts. So uh, but yeah, I was really bummed, man. I I got me I even did like time lapse, you know, the plane taking off and landing. Like the whole nine yards. Like I, I was ready to rock and roll. And uh and then the phone just died repeatedly over and over and over again. I was out of battery. So I was bummed. I didn't get nearly as much as I wanted, but you know, it happens. Actually, I did not see that peg. <laughs> That's awesome. In case you didn't see what? 
In case you didn't see, this is Peg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> answer not. It's awesome. Got multiple accounts and shit. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to set up a, a, a meetup around here, actually. And I was just thinking, actually, it's it's funny. Um, you bring up Vegas and stuff a bunch. Isaac's there right now. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, dude, I would have yeah, got up there, Tom. He's uh oh, he's, he's there till Monday, I believe. Yeah. Uh shit. <laughs> so we have uh Justin's gonna be here tomorrow night. Um Saturday I gotta go down to Tucson because we have a wedding down there. We're gonna stay the night. Hell yeah. Sunday I gotta I gotta come back, drop Amanda off, and then I gotta actually shoot back out to California. Um California. Sunday. Oh yeah. I know. No doubt about it. California. Have you seen uh, Big Subwoofer? I have. I saw what you posted about it. I haven't listened to it yet, bro. Do me a favor to listen to it right now. Can you split and listen to it while you're on the stream? Yeah. Hold on. Let me just make sure. Uh, Especially with the it. ATs. Those ATs, son. Hey. The headphones. Uh huh. I do wish I had. Um... What's the? My buddy has really good headphones. They're a little. Bit, they're like a step up from these, but these aren't bad. These aren't bad. I, I think um, they don't do a great job with the highs, and that's a problem mm. with mixing. Um, yeah. So I'm, I definitely want to upgrade eventually, but I'm, I'm doing all right, I guess. All right. So what's this called again? It's called Big Subwoofer. There's a big subwoofers. Big subwoofer. By Mount Westmore. Uh-huh. Yeah. I did not know that there were a couple people in it. Because what I posted was just, I think Ice Cube and Snoop, right? Was yeah. the only two clips. Even in Snoop's part, there's somebody else in the video in the frame. I didn't even catch who it was until I watched the video all the way through and I went. All right, I just hit play. Let's see if they give me an ad. Yep. <laughs> Good old YouTube. Oh, am I not going to be able to hear if I don't play it through there? Oh, no, I just have it muted. Uh-oh, device not connected. Well, if I catch a ban on Facebook, this is why. Whatever. <laughs> but if I if I get nah, YouTube will, will flag me too. I should probably turn it down a little bit. Oh, E forties in it. Okay. <laughs> e40 said i can multitask i can walk and chew gum at the same time <laughs> uh, it's called big subwoofer by uh mount westmore
Hey. He doesn't say that's too short. Okay. Sal, I don't know if you can hear me, but you're not on the screen. If you want to. I think Twitch hates me. Yeah, Twitch sometimes, like, just uh, fucks up for some reason. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, bro. E forty, fucking. It gets better. Too short, Snoop. For for sure, Mount Westmore. Like too short was. That was dope. Yeah, it was fire. <laughs> it's good shit. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's look, at the end of the day, it's four dudes that are old that can still throw down. Like, yeah. They kept it really simple, really clean. Like, but man, some of the essence from, you know, 30 years ago, and then also just hot, just keeping it hot and, you know, it's relevant, fun, it's fresh, relevant. Yeah, it's dope. See, I always say this happens on on the shows this season. I haven't looked up at the time at all, and I look up, and it's been two hours. Yeah, everybody's asking me. They're like, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, is there like a clubhouse room going like on? I'm trying to call you the whole time. Exactly. So, yeah, we can wrap it. But no, I mean, this has been it's been cool to wrap and and just talk yeah. through it. And um, I know we went to, we just shifted gears so hard. We went from like all the shit and like all the you know turmoil and wreckage and overcoming all that shit to you know we i don't i don't know how much of the real solution you know we were able to talk through but the truth is i'm uh, like i'm open anytime anybody wants to you know um just talk about hey what about xyz i'm happy to help especially in the high conflict divorce space like please reach out I'm happy to mm either either point you in the right direction or at least you know let you know some of the work that i do with dorsey and some of the programs that we offer and stuff like that that's not a pitch that's just to say you know there's solution out there and that's the good news and uh yeah man live your best life fuck i'm so done <laughs> you only have one like, of them this is it took 47 it, years man to figure out like a lot of it and uh and that's okay i mean because i probably got another 40 left right to rock out yep. so i'm excited to at, see what happens man at least at least yeah and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with so many people especially you though like i just feel like thanks man i don't know man i like you know the the joke was going around that you're the host of, of vcon and i really that do was think so that, that dope. Could be... thank you ian 
<laughs> that was I, I believed it. I was like, I was I fully when I saw it, I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> right. I was gonna hit you up and be like, Can I co-host? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. I was just, that would be so fun. That would be yeah. that would be a blast. But yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'll definitely have to have you on of again course. next year. I'm already booked out until next year, which is crazy so cool. to think about. Um, and I'm actually like, I'm starting to book January. I'm like, is it too soon? I'm like, should I start booking Never. into like May? <laughs> yeah, if you have to. Absolutely. Ooh, the VCon moderator. All right. Oh. <laughs> Make sure everything goes down okay. Maybe. Mm. I, look, I'm I'm open to whatever. All they got to do is just say, yes, we want you to do something. I did reach out. I reached out for a couple reasons. Uh, one of them was, hey, can we get some space somewhere to do some VFriend, you know, community type like broadcasts and whatnot from for the mm -hmm. folks back home that maybe are not there, maybe not token holders. And uh, and then the other piece is, too, I, I did. I threw through my hat in the ring. I said, look, I, you know. I've got experience doing broadcasting and hosting live events and I would not mind doing one or two things. And yep. certainly there's at the very least, there's a side stage that somebody has to say. And next up is yep. what is their name? Garbage. <laughs> Garbage, the trash can <laughs> MC. All right. <laughs> I, I, I no, agree, man. man. Like there, no, there's going to be so many side stages. I think it's all but yeah. confirmed that Russ is going to be there. Um, oh, no shit. Yeah, he he literally has a show in Minneapolis May eighteenth. Oh, that's amazing! Awesome. Coincidence? Probably not. They're like besties, you know. Mm -hmm. like, Russ raps about Gary Vee in his songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I no no question. That's not by accident. That's yeah. obviously that's. And then yeah. Wiz Khalifa. I feel like that was a big drop that Gary did for that. Like he's like, oh, let's give him a little hint. Like I feel right. like he's trying to get Wiz there and he's he's just working right now i love seeing this and love to see collie play oh i, I would love to see collie dude play i too. would love to see him play that crowd they they would go fucking nuts they'd go insane peg wrote to gary and said south a moderator that's fucking awesome. no way did you really oh that's awesome i love this community i love peg too i can't wait to meet you peg i'm still sad i didn't get to meet you at that meetup but um yeah I don't want to keep you here too long. We could talk forever no, and ever and ever and ever. Um, but where can people find you that are going to be listening and watching this afterwards? Um, <laughs> in my uh, Twitter bio, at Sal DiGuardia. So at S-A-L-D-I-G-U-A-R-D-I-A -I -I is my um, link tree. And you can find pretty much everything that I'm doing there. Uh, so the rebuilding me podcast, uh, that was kind of born out of some of those dark times and, um, and really coming through, you know, the other end. And, uh, mm. and so the rebuilding me podcast that I got to, I'm lucky enough to partner up with Dorsey on. She's, uh, she's blessed me with her presence on that show. And that's made all the difference. I tried to do a, a YouTube channel a couple of years ago that just wasn't connecting. It just mm. wasn't hitting the way that I, I really thought it would. And, uh, partnering with her has been just magical it's been amazing so that um the v friends community clubhouse of course um we're still gonna stick i think with the morning edition so the and we moved it a little bit so the 10 a.m eastern mm. uh, a.m edition the coffee talk in mm -hmm. in the v friends 
uh, community clubhouse. But then also, too, there's some cool shit happening in the V Friends community clubhouse. Um, it's kind of sometimes random, sometimes not. But like the Welcome Wagon, I think they're doing that uh, soon. And um, so that's Sarah and Bryce and um, other events that may pop up, like all the green carpet stuff. If there's another big giveaway or, you know, announcements and any of that, I'm, I'm all over it. I'm there for it. And, uh, and this is kind of uh, top secret. So don't tell anybody. All right. Well, oh, shit. sorry. I forgot. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff coming down the pipe. So please, please, please uh, feel free to follow me. Um, or sorry, um, m- most likely uh, the next couple months we'll be kind of just feeling some things out and doing some planning. And then uh, you never know, man. If you want to play an event up there, I I would say let's do it. I'm down to come up and let's throw it out. Let's, that would be let's fun. host a fucking rager. Yeah, that'd be amazing. That would be super fun. Let's fucking do it. Um, yeah. So as as always, guys, thank you for listening and watching. And thank you again, Sal, for coming on. And as always, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Good vibes to you. Have a good one.